Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Hello, everybody. It's good to have you guys back today. Uh, We're going to start a new series. I'm Jim Del Campo. I'm the lead pastor here. I've been the lead pastor for 29 years. If you're newer to the church, we started this church out of my house 29 years ago, if you can believe that. And God has been faithful all the way. Amen. Um, also, I just want to remind you uh, that uh, I do teach a, uh, a verse-by-verse study on uh, Wednesdays. It's on Facebook at 7. It's also on YouTube, the NBCC YouTube channel 7. It's archived immediately. You can watch it anytime during the week. We put the, those out every week. You can also download it as a podcast. I'm starting in the New Testament letter of Colossians this week. If you want to join it, it's a great letter. Just letting you know on that, throwing out a, a, a commercial on that. So today we're going to talk about this series on love, love by association. Today's a foundational message that really is going to be the platform for everything we're going, to, we're going to be saying the rest of this time. So let me begin by sharing this. March was a really good month for me. Because in March is something called March Madness. Does anybody know what that is? And I am a UCLA Bruin basketball fan. So uh, I had a really good March, Okay. And uh, I, don't, I used to watch all sports. I've, the older I get, I, I, don't know, I don't know why, but I've lost interest in almost every sport except for college basketball. I think it's a school spirit. I think there's just a different dynamic to it. I really like it. And I've been a UCLA Bruin basketball fan since I was about 10 years old. And uh, I've never stopped. I think now that makes it, what, 15 years I've been a UCLA basketball fan. And, and so uh, in March, March Madness, UCLA went in the tournament, and uh, there were some nail biters. I mean, when UCLA played Alabama, uh, Alabama number two seed and that last second three that tied the game and I almost had a heart attack and yet UCLA romped on him in overtime. We, we moved on. And then um, they went to that game against Michigan, the number one seed, and we beat Michigan. Michigan misses that last second three and we go into the final four. And this is a team, UCLA, that nobody expected them to go this far. Um, and then they get in the final four, they play Gonzaga, and those of you who know Gonzaga was the, was the overall number one seed until Baylor knocked him off from the title, but UCLA loses in overtime on that last second banked in 40-footer. And of course, you know, we all died if you're a UCLA basketball fan, died that night. Now let me tell you why I'm telling you this story. My wife is also a diehard UCLA basketball fan. She, um, when we watch the games on TV, She'll start talking to herself. Do you guys have any married to anybody talk to themselves? She'll start saying things. When the game's close, nail biters, she'll say things like, uh, I, I just can't watch this. I just can't watch this. And so I, and I tell her things, and then I'll say this, and I'll, I'll give you why. And say, I go, maybe you better leave the room. They're probably losing because you're watching them. <laughs> and don't act like none of you are like that either with your sporting team, huh? Because you're going to change your little routine because, huh, if you leave the room and watch it on a different TV, that's going to change everything. So I, I tell her stuff like that. Now let me tell you why I tell her things like that. Because um, my mom and my dad, uh, both deceased now, um, they were uh, season ticket holders to the L.A., California, Anaheim of the West Coast, Western Hemisphere Angels, you know, <laughs> whatever the name is now. Grew up an Angel fan, you know, since I was so big going to the games. They were season ticket holders from 1977 on. I'm the young guy who got to sit down every night I wanted to down there because, you know, Mexican privilege in America. Praise the Lord, amen? (laughs) So ridiculous out there. Um, But um, just work hard and you'll get ahead and you'll make something of your life. Any amens on that one? Doesn't matter what shade of skin you are. You just work hard. Um, And I'll say that uh, to anybody who asks me. But, um, and I said it to a young man at a coffee shop on yesterday morning. I told him straight the way it was. But anyway, that's another story. I did it in love. <laughs> no, I did. So, uh, so they were season ticket holders. Now, my mother, different, you know, she would be watching the angels on TV. And if they were losing, she would say, I, I can't watch, they're losing because I'm watching them. She would get up, go to the kitchen, and she'd turn on the radio and listen to them on the radio because that would change everything. (laughs) My mother's name was Claudia. 
My dad's nickname for her was Claudie. Can you imagine your name Claudie, like Dirk Claude or whatever? Claudie. And so when Olivia now, when she starts freaking out at UCLA basketball, and I go, and she goes, I can't watch that. I go, I go, you okay, Claudie? Because <laughs> you're watching, Claudie. You better get up and leave the room, Claudie. It's so much fun having that kind of power. But anyway, <laughs> but she gets all wound up about those things, and we, I, I just think it's hilarious. Now, here's my point. There's a point? Yeah, there's a point. When my, before my wife met me, she didn't know any, UCLA basketball, what's that? Watch basketball? Why? But now, she's a diehard UCLA basketball fan. We go see the games at the Pauley Pavilion. We even go to Vegas for the Pac-12 tourney when it was still, you could still go to the games. And she loves it. She loves it. My wife, she could now referee a basketball game and she'd be one of a pretty good ref. So here's the question. What changed her? What changed her into this fanatical UCLA basketball fan able to coach a referee, a ba- she could probably coach too, but referee a basketball game? The answer, she met me. And by an association with me, her whole life changed for the better. Amen? Amen, let's go now. That's all I wanted to say. But her life changed. By association, she took on the characteristics that I grew up with from age 10 as a UCLA basketball fan. I want to talk about association today. That in the chapter we're going to study, by virtue of our association, that's where we get the proper kind of love in our life to be able to love correctly. Now, there are all kinds of of thoughts on what love is in this culture, in this world. Many of them are just plain wrong. They're just wrong. And if they're wrong from the get-go, they're going to be wrong in application and lead down roads that are wrong. Any amens on that? So we're going to lay down the association today. It's going to be very, very interesting. Um, And then from there, in the weeks to come, we're going to take applications of this from the rest of Scripture, and we're going to show you how love, the love of God, applies in life and what true love actually looks like. But today's foundational. It's foundational to everything, so it's about... I want to say we're six weeks in this series with one of the six being a Mother's Day message. After that, we'll go into a three-week series on making smart, wise decisions. And then in the summertime, I'm going to take you on a series uh, when life gives you lemons. It's going to, we're going to go through the life of Joseph who was victimized left and right and he did everything right. Amen? And then we'll come out on the other end of summer and I got another ghost series, but in a little different matter, and you'll see when I get there. So we got it mapped out all the way to there. So we're going to start here with our uh, uh, key verse for the series. We didn't have one in the last series, but we have one for this series. This is where I want you to read with me at home. We have a reverse camera. I can see if you're reading or not. <laughs> so here we go. One, one, two, three. Greater love has no one than this that one laid down his life for his friends. Let's try it again. One, two, three. Greater love has no one than this, that one laid down his life for his friends. Let me tell you what that means briefly. You could really go off on that verse. But it means that love, it's not just words. And don't go home and say, well, Jim said it's not words, so I'm not telling you I love you anymore. No, don't do that. But love is action. And if you read it in the New Testament letter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you'd find all the action statements of love. So it's action. It also tells you that love, that Jesus exemplified it by laying down his life for every one of us, for other people. So therefore, true love, what it does is, it takes the person next to me and puts them in front of me. That's why I really don't like it when I'm getting on an on-ramp on the freeway and it's bumper to bumper and here comes somebody on the dirt because they got to get two or three cars ahead. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because they got to say five seconds of time. And if I ever see you doing something like that and I know it's you, boy, I'm going to embarrass you in this service on that sermon. <laughs> Who do you think you are, okay? But you, put, you take the person next to you and you put them in front of you. You think of others as more important than yourself. That does not mean you don't take care of your needs because you cannot give out what you do not have, correct? 
So you must take care of your needs correctly, and then you're able to take care of the needs of others. Otherwise, you just dry up. Now, with that idea in there, the person next to me in front of me, here's our tagline, and that's this. When love meets inconvenience. Here we go all together. One, two, three. When. Try it again. One, two, three. When. And love is inconvenient, is it not? Love is inconvenient. Anybody that's married knows love is inconvenient. Oh, somebody laughed at that. In a good way, though. Because you know what I'm talking about, huh? So here we go. We're going to turn to John chapter 15. Um, we're going to look at John. I'm going to give you three points. And I'm going to drive the last one home for you. As we take this whole idea of love by association. Now, as you turn there, whether it's app or Bible, it's going to be on the screen, but if you have a, a Bible, a, a regular conventional, traditional, the one Paul read out of kind of Bible. Okay, no, he didn't have a Bible. He just had scrolls and letters or writing. Um, but the last verse, just this is by, I'm, I'm a Bible teacher, so I like to jet out sideways here and there. Is that okay? Okay. The last verse of chapter 14. This is Last Supper. Let me give you background. This is Last Supper. In chapter 14. And in that last supper, it's having communion, this is the night that Jesus will be betrayed. In the last supper, he says at the very last verse of chapter 14, he says, get up, let us go from here. He leaves the upper room on the southern side of Jerusalem. Him and the disciples are walking down towards the valley Kidron on the eastern side of of the wall of Jerusalem. They go down. They're going to march up the Mount of Olives to the Garden of Gethsemane that night. So he leaves the upper room inside to go. He goes from inside to, thank you, whew, to outside. And he's going to give you some of the greatest teaching he will ever give outside. And it's all about bearing fruit, and it's all about love. And so that's very important. You know why? Because what we, you and I learn inside, we better take outside. If all this is is just gathering information without translating into practical application in our life outside, what's the point? There is no point. We need to take what we learn inside and live it outside in the practical application of our Christian faith in our life. So, three points, John 15, here we go. The first thing is, God desires uninterrupted association with us, with every one of us, whether you're a follower of Christ or not. He desires relationship with you. Now, in John chapter 15, I'm going to read verse 1 through 6. We're going to cover 17 verses today. Here we go, and I'll jet out a few times here and there. He says, I am the vine, the true vine, I should say. And my father is the vine dresser. Now, I need to stop right there. Because Jesus says, he's the vine. He's the stump of the tree. His dad is the one that takes care of the plant of that vine. He's going to talk about fruit in this chapter. We'll find out what that fruit is later. As Jesus leaves that upper room, and walks down with the disciples down the valley Kidron and walks up understand it's Passover so it's either full moon or just about a full moon it's bright outside in the darkness he's marching up to the Mount of Olives to the Garden of Gethsemane some of you have been there with me hopefully if everything opens up we're going next year in October with an extension to Rome just so you know in October next year as you go up to the Mount of Olives you're able to look over the wall on the Temple Mount and you can see the big doors of the massive temple of that day, what's called Herod's Temple, Third Temple. In Jesus' day, that, the temple doors, they had um, vines, golden vines on the doors, and the doors are massive. And it had clusters of golden grapes. The cluster was the height of a man. Can you imagine how big that cluster looks? So as they're walking in the moonlight, and Jesus says, I am the vine. In their minds, you've got to understand the visual that Jesus is communicating to them. 
because they can look across and they can see those doors of the vine, the golden vines, and the big clusters of grapes. They may not have understood in that moment exactly what he was saying, but in the aftermath, we know they understood that he was saying, look, that's me. I am the doorway. I am the doorway to God. And can you imagine walking that night in the moonlight? He's saying this. Here's God, the creator in front of you. And he's, he's saying, I'm the doorway. Now, verse 2 says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. Stop. The word prune is not like you and I taking the pruning shears and clipping things back. This word prune means to clean. The idea is that when the, the fruit gets almost ripe and it's getting heavy, the fruit is heavy enough that it drops the branch down into the ground and it gets muddy. And so the vine dresser would pick it up, wash off the fruit to get the mud off it. It's not clipping it off, it's just washing it clean. You and I, we have been washed clean by the blood of Jesus as a follower of Christ. Any amens? Now stop, because two chapters earlier, Jesus washes Peter's feet. Anyone remember that story? Peter, once he understands, says, no, wash my whole body as well. And Jesus says, no. Anyone who is bathed needs only to wash their feet to be completely clean. He's giving a physical illustration of a spiritual reality. That in that day, if you were bathed, and if they bathed once a week, but if you walked in the dirt streets with your sandals on, your feet got dirty. He says, no, only your feet are dirty. Just to wash the feet, the rest of you is clean. That's a picture of your life and my life as a follower of Christ. We've been washed clean by the blood of Jesus. All your sins are washed away. Any amens? Settle it, my friends. But you and I both know we got some dirty stuff, right? And so there's a progression of growth in our life. No one here, including me, none of us has arrived. We all have flaws. We all have sin. We all have some dysfunction. We have brokenness. And so God periodically prunes. He cleans us. So we get better and better and better and better. Anybody like that? I like that a lot, my friends. Now, let's read on. Verse 3. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Oh, I like that. He's the vine, and we're the branches. We can't bear fruit of ourselves. Well, now what that fruit is, I'll tell you in a little bit later, okay? But we cannot bear this fruit apart from God. We're the branch. We have to stay connected unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you, Jim Del Camp, or any of us here, unless you abide in me, in Jesus Christ. Now, well, I'll get there in a second. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. This is key to what he's saying. You're a branch. I'm a branch. He's the vine. He's the life source. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Now, that's a big statement, huh? But the nothing has to do with the fruit, and we'll define what the fruit is in a bit. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Now, I do not believe at all in the context of this chapter that that's talking about hell. I think it's talking about Christians that dry up and are fruitless. They don't serve. They don't give. They're not nice. They're not loving. They don't fellowship. They don't do anything. They're just drying up. I'll get to that in a second. Now, here we go. God desires uninterrupted fellowship with every one of us. In a verse, what verse? Verse 4 he will use that word, abide. And he uses it also in verse... Well, let's say with verse 4. But anyway, abide. Now, what does this word abide mean? That we as branches need to abide in the vine. It means to stay. It means to remain. Oh, think about a branch. It must stay and it must remain in that stump, in that tree. So the idea of abiding is utter dependence. Can a branch survive once it's disconnected from the tree? There's no way. There's absolutely no way it can. We begin to dry up. Our associations begin to dry up because we are drying up, my friends. Now, let me explain what I mean. Let me take a drink of water, okay? 
So I have two avocado trees in my backyard. Haas. I love guacamole. <laughs> and remember that heat wave last year in September, about four or five day heat wave? Remember, anybody remember that? Where it was like 117 or something like that? You felt like you were on the dark side of the sun or something? I'm good at 95 to 100, but 117, heesh. In fact, I like 95 to 100. Um, but one, about one quarter, maybe up to a third of my bigger avocado tree that gave a ton of avocados the year before, it died, it burned up. Yeah, I was sad. Because I'm just thinking tacos, hot sauce, and guacamole. <laughs> I thought, man, that heat. And then, about three months later, Maybe four. I found out it wasn't just the heat that killed my tree. Let me tell you what I found out. Any of you check your sprinklers every year to make sure they're all functioning right? I do. I, I check them, make sure the water's coming out. I checked them. And see, that big tree has two drip systems feeding into it. That's not its only source of water. There are two sprinkler that pop up along my fence line where the tree is here, and it also shoots water in that tree. So it's got two different water sources it gets a lot of water here's what I found out those two weren't giving water now Rich you're going to love this story because you were there the day so my fence on that side it was put in before I moved there I moved in there 21 years ago when I was 3 but you know it's right there it it you know how your fence, those old wooden posts, they start to, you know, you know what I mean? You get wongo, or I don't know what wongo means. Is that a bad word? Oh, okay. I thought, oh my gosh, did I cuss? I don't know. I don't speak Spanish that well. I just have the last name, okay? So, every so often I ask my neighbor, can I go and replace some of the posts? And we have to go on his side. He goes, oh yeah, of course he's happy that we replace the post. Who wouldn't be? So we go over there. Well, this last time, a couple guys came with me. Rich was one of them. And we're digging. There's four we replaced. And we're digging. I dug the hole that's on the side of the fence where my avocado tree is on the other side of my fence. So we're in my neighbor's yard. We're digging that hole, digging that hole. You know, I wear a tank top. Olivia loves it. But anyway. <laughs> but anyway. You know, when you get older, you just get goofy. It doesn't, you know, you don't want to be cranky, okay, trust me. And so I dug the hole. What I didn't know was this. I didn't know my sprinkler underground line was on that side of the fence and then popped out where my sprinkler heads were on my side. So when I dug down, I broke my sprinkler line not knowing it. We put the post in, the galvanized post, cemented it, and thus cementing the line forever. See, what happened was, when they put that fence in before I ever moved there, they put that fence more on my property, which put my sprinkler line on my neighbor's side. And we broke the line, we cemented it, and stopped the water flow. And when I found that out, I go, that's why. That's why a third of that tree died. Because it wasn't getting enough water. Let me show you the avocados it gave. There ain't no guacamole in this guy. <laughs> it's pathetic. I go, you know, I made a special trip to that tree yesterday just to pull this off for you so you can show it to you. But let me tell you what I'm trying to tell you. I think what Jesus is saying. How many Christians spiritually are like this? We don't have close association with Jesus. It's intermittent. We're here, there. I won't even fellowship anymore. I won't even come to corporate worship. Read the Bible. When was the last time you read the Bible? Give? Serve? Huh. I got, on my weekends, I got stuff I'm going to do in there. Really? How many of us are like this? Because we have stopped a strong connection to Jesus Christ in our own life. 
How many? I have a better question. If this avocado, when you went to whatever supermarket you shop at, and this was sitting there, would you pick this up and put it in your cart? If you say yes, I'm going to send you to Pastor Eric for counseling like right now. You wouldn't. You ever wonder why the church becomes more and more ineffective? Because we're drying up. Some of us are just dried up. We've lost our vigor. We've lost the juice. Because we're not connected to the vine on a regular basis. We don't abide, stay, remain, utter dependence. I'm not talking about salvation. You're saved if you're born again. I'm talking about drying up like that branch is disconnected and it becomes of no use. And the fruit's pathetic. Who's going to want it? No one's going to want it. Now, with that said, let me move on because you look depressed now, okay? <laughs> Point two moves on to this. And here's the outflow now. Uninterrupted association with Jesus results in an outflow of God's love. Now I introduce you what this fruit aspect is. Now, let me read... Um, <clears throat> Let me read verse 7 through 13. Verse 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. How many love that verse right there? Let me tell you something and I'm going to come back and talk about that verse in a second. If I put on social media that verse, God's going to give you what you want, just ask for it, He's going to give you. And some preachers on TV or whatever, I listen, I go, are you nuts? But we put that on there, I'll get 3 million likes. Oh yeah, 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 praise the Lord, praise the Lord. If I put on there, serve in the church, tithes, forgive people, I'll get about four likes. That's fact. You know, what does that tell you about the American church? What does that tell you about the American Christian? I don't want to be a disciple, I just want what I want. That's what it tells you. That's called being a baby, by the way. Just in case you didn't know, I'm defining it for you. It's in the Greek. No, it's not in the Greek, okay. <laughs> now let me read on, because I'm going to come back to that verse, because I need to explain the verse so you understand what it means. Verse 8. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear, What? Louder that you bear what? Oh, much fruit. Ooh. And so prove to be my disciple. Stop. Because back in verse 2 it says we're to bear fruit. In verse 2 it says we're to bear more fruit. And now we find in verse 5 and in verse 8 we're to bear much fruit. Fruit, more fruit, much fruit. Say it with me. Fruit, more fruit, much fruit. Stop. So that means there's a progression growth in our life. We never stop growing. We've never arrived till we get to heaven. Any amen? Now here's what I like about it. If you look at the story of the sower and the seed, uh, 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 Luke 8 and Mark 4, you find that we are, our heart is a soil. Now you can have hard soil, rocky soil, soil filled with weeds. Nothing grows there and the word of God is a seed. But the good soil, the soft soil, the humble soil, the interdependent soil of a heart that's open to God, you plant the seed there, it bears fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. 30, 60, 100 fold. Fruit, more fruit, much fruit. Isn't that something? And that's something it just keeps you keep developing growing more and more and more you develop more of this fruit now I'm going to give you the, what the fruit is in just a bit well yeah Jim what's the fruit what's the fruit I'll get there I'll get there okay I know you want to know uh, what verse am I on verse 9 okay just as say just as everybody just as that's not everybody but anyway it's a very important statement because it's a transitional build a bond statement so, um, just as the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Abide in my love. Notice the connection? I abide in Jesus. Jesus abides in the Father. There's a flow of love. Amen? From the Father through Jesus to us. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Yeah, that word abide keeps coming up in this chapter because we're a branch and he's the what? He's the what? He's the vine. He's the stump there. We have to abide. We have to remain. We've got to stay under dependence as a branch. Um, what verse am I at? Okay. <laughs> abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. So Jesus abides. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Anybody want full joy? Anybody? Isn't that great? Well, there's a reason for full joy. Verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another, just as, say just as, just as, I have loved you. 
just as I have loved you. Verse 13, and here's our key verse again. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Oh, okay. Let's get into this thing now. Let's go back now, because I got some explaining to do, okay? This whole verse thing about verse uh, 7, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Let me, let me say this. It does not mean that God's going to give you whatever he asks for. Can you imagine giving your kid everything they ask for? Would your 8-year-old ever want to eat dinner again? No, they'd be on candy, right? I would. I don't want, no, 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 mom, I don't want spaghetti, I want some of those Twinkies, okay? They, we, they, every wrong thing, you, that's why you're a parent, you tell them what's wrong. That's, uh, but anyway, I don't want to get off on that subject. Now, what does it mean then? This, I'm going to help you get from, because how many of you ever asked for something from God, like me, and not got it answered? Oh, everybody. Let me tell you the secret to this. If you abide in me, what does abide mean? Stay, remain, utter dependence. If you're utterly dependent on me, it doesn't end there. And my word abides in you. Oh, now my word must abide in you. In other words, my life, your life must be regulated by this word. Not what I feel, not what I think. It's regulated by the word of God. Amen? So there's utter dependence in Jesus and then there's utter dependence in the word regulates my life when that happens now my life my heart starts to change according to what God's way is and God's will right and once it lines up with the word of God and I get out of my selfishness and start living like God now he changes my urges my needs because I'm lining up with this and now I ask for things that are according to this and if it's according to this then it's according to his will correct and then and only then can God answer those prayers does that make sense did I just help you in your faith how many people walked away from church because oh God didn't do that for me I gave him 10 minutes wow you must be great in relationships now let me tell you a problem I have three granddaughters it's great it's great it's payback for my kids Willa, a year and eight months. Lincoln, like seven, seven and a half months. Scotty, Scotty, she's two and a half months. Peter Scotty's two and a half. I did that because see how much power I have over Peter to make him talk in church and so forth. Well, my granddaughter, Willa, who's the year and eight month one, you know, she used to come around me a lot. She loved her granddaddy. And then one day, she didn't want her granddaddy anymore. Do you, I go, do you, kid, you understand I created your mom who created you? I mean, neighbors come over. She'll go to them, not to me. I go, that's not right. So I found a secret, because all grandfathers understand we're very wise. See, I like Smarties. I always keep a, a bag of Smarties in the kitchen and a bag of Smarties in my nightstand. I'm not stupid. And I keep a, a one little Smartie packet in my pocket. So when Willa's around, as she came over last night, you think she wanted to come with me? No. And then what do I do? I go, okay, if you don't want to come with granddaddy, and I pull out that smarty, and I hold it up, and she's like, and she comes running to me, man. She wants, on my, on my lap. One time I showed it to her, she had chips in her hand. She throws them on my floor and runs to me. So I've, I've developed a really good technique here. So she comes on my lap, and she sits there. I open the smarty. I go, go, mm, and she goes, mm. Now, I'm giving her one at a time, because I want to enjoy the moment. If I put one in my mouth, she tries to get that out of my mouth. Because <laughs> she goes, that's not yours. Now, here's what happens. When I finally get to the last smarty, and I give her to she puts it in her mouth, and I close up the wrapper, and I go, there's no more. Here's what she does. I'm going to be her now. Because she knows she wants to get away from me now. And I, and I say, don't leave granddaddy. She don't care. 
She doesn't care about my feelings one bit. She got what she wanted, and she's gone. Meep, meep, see you later. How many Christians treat God like that? Oh, I got what I wanted. I know I made a lot of promises, but let's forget that, God. Oh, I'm coming back to church because, God, my life's a mess. And you're here for two months, things calm down, never see him again. Till the next time. And we treat God like this revolving door, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And all we do is live an intermittent relationship with Jesus Christ, and we wonder why we don't grow personally. And we wonder why certain things don't pan out the way they should through God. We're living like God's the candy man in the sky, and as long as he gives me candy, I'm there. But when he doesn't, I'm gone. I'm gone. Jesus says, you're a branch, Jim, and I'm the vine. And if you want life, then you're going to stay connected. You're going to stay connected in the Word. You're going to be in fellowship in church. You're going to serve. You're going to give. You're going to be in group. You're going to be all those things. You're going to share your faith and the opportunity, right? You're going to do these things because you're connected. Now, you've got to stay connected. Now, let me move on in the same point. Now, we are, in verse 8, we are to bear fruit. Fruit, more fruit, much fruit. But what fruit? What's he talking about? Verse 9. Now he tells us, just as, say just as. Just as. The Father has loved me. I have also loved you. Abide in my love. So what's the fruit he's talking about? Oh, you guys are so smart. So now we know the fruit of connecting to Jesus is love. That's the outflow. This is what's going to flow from us. Why is love the main big deal of it all? Because if you go to Galatians chapter 5 and you see the fruit of the Spirit, what's the first fruit of all nine? It's love. Love, joy, peace, self-control, long-suffering, kindness, patience, endurance, etc. So love is foundational. It's a fundamental to everything else, the God love, not just the worldly uh, wrong idea of love. God's love is foundational. If you played sports, you know that you had to start with the fundamentals of any sport you started in any amens? You have to. If you play an instrument, you start with fundamentals, right? You have to. If you're married, you stay in the fundamentals. Because once you lose your fundamentals, every, nothing else works again. It's not as good as it could be. Fundamentals are important. So he starts with love. It's the fundamental. Love, that's the fruit. Now, <clears throat> watch what he says. He says in verse 8 that this fruit glorifies, when we bear this fruit and much of it, it glorifies the Father. Anybody want to glorify God with your life? And it proves that we're disciples of Jesus. Bless you. If they took you in a courtroom and the charges where you're a Christian, that you are a Christian, would there be enough evidence to prove it? Or would the fellow employee say, they're just one mean person? Oh, they're, really, they're Christian? I've never heard them say anything about that. Let's check your church record here. Um, oh yeah, you were there back in, uh, yeah, you went back in October. Could it be proven? It's the proof. It glorifies God and it's the proof. This fruit. Now, we are, this fruit is love and we are to love just as. Say just as. God loves us. Jesus loves us. How did he love us? He laid down his life on that cross. Correct? Just as. You put the person next to you, in front of you. I put the statement on the, put it on the screen. Let me read it the way it's supposed to be read. Just as Love puts the person next to you in front of you. Just as love puts a person next to you in front of you. That's what real love is. 
hey girl, are you dating some guy that's just pure selfishness? It's always about him. Please listen to your mom and your dad. They might be telling you the truth, okay? You're heading for a train wreck. Heading for a train wreck. Because true love, God love, puts a person next to you, in front of you. And we're going to take this application over the next so many weeks. It's, that's why love is so inconvenient, though. Love is never convenient. It's inconvenient. Now, let me get to the best part. Okay, the, here's the best part. Number three. Uninterrupted association with God transforms our associations. So uninterrupted relationship with God transforms our relationships. Does that make sense? Because it transforms the way you and I relate, the way we associate. Look at verse 15 through 17. says this, No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. Now, let me state this, because remember, before we come to Christ, we are slaves of sin. We are under the power of the, of the prince of darkness. We are his slaves. The world doesn't understand that because it's a spiritual battle out there. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. You got that? The spiritual world is more real than the physical world. So we were slaves of sin. They were set free through the blood of Jesus. We put our faith in him. He says, no longer do I call you slaves. For a slave does not know what his master is doing. But I call you friends. Isn't that great? That's relationship. Is it not? Is it not? For all, my, all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Aren't you? Can you imagine? Can you remember what kind of a stink you were before you came to Christ? Anybody? Would you have chosen you? Come on. Would you have chosen you? No, because you know you too well. And appointed you, here's what you're supposed to do, Jim, appointed you and all of us here, that you go and bear fruit, and that your fruit would remain. Ah, same Greek word for abide in verse 4. It needs to stay, it needs to remain. It's got to be there. It's going to maintain itself. So that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, He may give to you. This I command you, that you love one another. Let me get into this slave friend thing and then I'm going to get into this. Sidebar, come back here. Um, you know those 30,000 people that pop up all over America? The rest of us, 331 million, we have want nothing to do with that. But they pop up and they get in people's faces and try to force them to believe the way, what they say. Anybody ever seen that on TV? Come on, be honest. You've seen it, right? That's stupid. That's slavery. Because you're forcing someone, you're forcing their choice. That's called control. That's slavery, a forced choice. Jesus says, you're my friends. What does friendship give? Free choice, does it not? That's based on love. Free choice. For whoever this helps. Jesus doesn't force choice. He's not forcing anyone to get saved. He's not forcing anyone to follow him because he is love, right? But you have too many people trying to force choice. No, that's immature. That's slavery. That's dictatorship. See, when you're a true friend, you don't force them to do anything. You let them have free choice. And they can disagree with you all they want. You can disagree with them. You're still friends, right? Because that's love. That's what a grown-up does. This is, be grown-ups. Teach your kids right. Teach them the wrong way. Now, before I get on my Howie horse, let me get into this. <clears throat> Jesus says, if I connect to the vine as a branch, and it's, it's strong association, it's continuous, it's there, then I'm going to bear fruit more fruit, much fruit, and then that fruit is love, God's love, right? And now he says that that fruit, in verse 16, it remains. Mm. That's called love that lasts. Do we have enough love in America that doesn't last? Do we? Marriages end. Friendships end. 
we, we, we are training ourselves to just cut and run. Cut and run. Ah, this, this marriage isn't working out. I'm going to cut and run. Ah, this friendship, they don't agree with me, so I'm going to cut and run. This church, you know, uh, you know, I found something I don't like about it. Wow, why don't you find something you don't like about you? Maybe you cut and run from yourself. Try that one day. I'm, I'm leaving. Some people just jump churches all over the place. They just look, you know, maybe somebody, you're just looking for something. You're always looking for something wrong. Give yourself your reason to cut and run. Just jumping all over the place. Oh, there it is. I found it. Now I can leave. Oh, good. Wow, you're growing now. Where does this, where does this come from? Where does this cut and run come from? Let me tell you where it comes from. It's part of the fall. Have you forgotten you live in a fallen world? In Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve, tight. Tight with God, tight with each other. Then they sin. Cut and run, distance from God. Cut and run, distance from each other. Did you notice that? See, before the fall, relationship was very easy to manage and maintain. After the fall, has anyone here who's married noticed it takes work to maintain relationship? Anybody besides me? It takes work, doesn't it? You live in a fallen world, in a cut-and-run world. In fact, Jesus will say, uh, in two chapters from here, which we'll study in a couple weeks, he says, he's praying for the disciples, and he's praying to the Father, he says, Father, they're in the world, but they're not of the world. Protect them from the evil one. He's telling us, you live in a fallen world. It's a cut-and-run world where people naturally progress towards this, and even in the best of marriages, you know that at times you can sense your distancing, right? And then you've got to work on it again to get it back to where it's supposed to be. Any amens on that? And be honest, so single people know that's what they're facing. Any amens on that? Okay, good. Some of you are elbowing your husband and wife, going, preach it, Jim, preach it. <laughs> it's a fallen world. <clears throat> Uh, Paul says in Galatians uh, chapter 5, verse 16, 17, he says, the spirit and the flesh are in opposition. You got to feed the spirit because so, because the, so it can oppose the flesh and put the flesh, put your old nature in subjection so that you don't do what you just want to do. Because my old nature wants to do anything it wants to do. But the spirit says, nope, 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 nope. Okay, so here's, here's the deal. Here's where I'm going to drive it home. If I live in a fallen world, and it's a world of cut and run. It's a world where love, God's love is not the priority. And how do I, how do I, how do I get past this? How do I fix my relationship I'm in now? How, what do I do? And I'm glad you said, what do I do? Because it's your responsibility. Don't put it on somebody else. That's immaturity too. Let me tell you how. Because this is great. This is the greatest. My uninterrupted association with Jesus transforms my associations with everyone else. So my association with Jesus, but I live in a fallen world. So back in 2018, some of you will remember, um, I'm trying to cover all 50 states. And so we went back east. I did not know that hurricane was coming. It was going to go over the Mexico beach in Florida. We didn't know. So we go. And we knew the hurricane was approaching. We're in Orlando, Florida, but it hadn't, hadn't come on, on land yet. We're on the Atlantic coast. It's going to come over in the Caribbean. Um, you know, they called me to stand on the beach and say, in the name of Jesus, I don't think they called me to do that. So we're always on the outskirts outrunning it. Now, before we started outrunning on the outskirts, we went to Orlando, and you, I tell you, I went to the Kennedy Space Center. If you've never been there, if you ever get there, go. If you cannot afford the $57, when you go tell me, I'll give you $57 ahead of time. But not everybody at one time, okay? <laughs> because then I have to take out a retirement and stuff. It's going to be ugly. 
I went there, man. I was fascinated because I loved the movie Apollo 13. And I remember I was about to turn 14 years of age when they landed on the moon and the Apollo rock. And it's just like, man, I was like a little kid there. And you walk in this hangar and it's got this whole Apollo rocket there and the big old engines and the very tip, you see the cone or the astronauts. It's amazing. But in that building, there was this one little display that to me was like, woo! It's, it's a stand about this high. It's got glass, real, you know, glass, you can't break it uh, around it. There's little holes on each side where you can just stick your hand through, but if you make a fist, you can't pull it back out. And in the middle there, there's a moon rock. And you reach in there, and you get to touch the moon rock. I was like, I'm going to touch a moon rock. <laughs> How can I grab this and bring it through the glass and, <laughs> and bring it home with me? No, I got to touch it four or five seconds and you got to get out because people online want to touch the moon rock. For a second, I got to touch another world. I got to touch another world. Jesus says, follower of Christ, you're in this world, but you're not of this world. Jesus is the creator. He's from another realm the kingdom of God. And every one of us, we need to be touching that other realm regularly. Regularly. Because if we don't, that's the kind of Christianity you're going to live right there. Ain't nobody going to want that. And your relationships are going to dry up. Or they will not be as good as they could have been. You got to touch the other realm. Here's what I want to do. I want you to close your eyes. I just want you to think for like 30 seconds. Think of your Christianity. How connected are you? How regularly connected are you? Think of what COVID has done to you and disconnected you. Think about it. Think about the changes that need to be made, whether here, at home, wherever you're at. I'm going to shut up now for 30 seconds. You talk to God and say, Lord, this is the change I need to make. And then do it. you know what you just told God if you were honest before God follow up on it do it it takes work because you're in a fallen world but you can tap into the other world through Jesus Christ abide in him utter dependence upon him stand up with me today we're finished as I let you go Remember, this is the beginning of the series. If you need prayer for anything, to my left, your right, people will be there to pray for you. If you have a physical offering, you can drop it in as you exit that way into the baskets. I appreciate your giving, your giving for sustaining us through these crazy times. Many churches didn't make it. They just didn't make it. Thank you for all your effort, what you do. God, I just pray your blessings upon everybody here. Upon the going in, they're coming out. I pray for their abiding. Their abiding. Thank you for it, God. Thank you for them. Keep them safe from the evil one. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Thanks for coming out. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco. Or email us at hello at nbcc.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.